Hey, Bubblies, and welcome to My Streaming Bubble. It's that little old podcast where I talk about the shows that I love with the people I tolerate. I'm your host, Jen, and today I'm excited to present you all with another podcast crossover day. Joining me in the bubble for the first time, but hopefully not the last, is the host of the very nostalgic podcast discussing the movies of yesteryear, Zoe from Backlook Cinema Podcast. Hey, Zoe, and welcome to my podcast. Thank you for joining me. (laughs) Thank you for inviting me. I am so happy to be tolerated. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) Well, I look forward to this conversation today. But before we get started, do you want to tell us a little bit about your podcast and where you can be found and all that good stuff? Okay, so as you mentioned earlier, my podcast is the Backlick Cinema Podcast, or Backs, or it might be called Backlick Cinema The Podcast. I haven't fully decided. I call, I switch out, call it one way or the other. So my podcast can be found anywhere you listen to podcasts. Uh, it's it's on all all of the podcast catchers. If you if you're on Audible, it's on Audible. If you're on uh, Podchaser, it's on Podchaser. If you're on uh, Pocket Cast is on Pocket Cast. It's it's practically everywhere. Uh, so you can find it there. You can also uh, find me at my website at www.backlickcinema.com. That that's where all of my links and socials and stuff at. But if you specifically are looking for me on uh, Facebook or Instagram, it's at Backlick Cinema Podcast. And if you're looking for me on Twitter or TikTok, it's at Backlick Cinema. And we're a podcast where uh, basically I watch movies with my son, and then I go on a podcast and, and issue a report, if you will, talk about our favorite parts, talk about the trivia, talk about what my son liked about the movie. These are movies that he's never seen before, so it's a delight to watch these movies with him for the first time. Yeah, and it's delight. It's a delight to listen to. Honestly, I listened to your short circuit episode and the Conair episode. Oh, and I think I listened to your. I think it was like the bonus episode for Multiverse of Madness. I've been yeah. <laughs> I've been binge listening to a bunch of indie podcasts lately, and I'm trying to keep them all like organized and straight in my mind. But I'm just going down a rabbit hole. But those were very enjoyable. I loved I loved the Short Circuit episode. It's one of my favorite movies from my childhood, and I thought you guys did a really great job discussing it. All the the goods and the hasn't aged wells and the. <laughs> 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 yeah, there were some things that it's uh short circuit is one of the reasons that I don't really want to get into Revenge of the Nerds. Because I love that movie when I was growing up and now I'm like, oh no. Oh that was <laughs> that was not that's not appropriate behavior. That's criminal behavior. It is. Oh my god. I one hundred percent agree. I love that movie. And Porky's too, like and Porky's as well, but right. yeah, I get it. <laughs> I understand. Uh, if I if I actually decide to do that movie, it's going to have to be a huge disclaimer up front. Like, uh, uh, this is a spoiler warning, uh, or not? This is a this is a trigger warning. Uh, this episode will contain images of uh, sexual misconduct, uh, criminal sexual activity that at that time was perfectly acceptable. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> because. So. Because the patriarchy and it, yes. was, it was a, it was a script written by men, and this is how men imagine women uh, would react to being sexually assaulted. So, mm-hmm. yep, total fantasy, eighties fantasy. But, yeah, right, right, right. But goddamn it, if I don't love it. 
right, right. I'm, I'm glad you said it, being a woman and all. Yeah, I mean, I, I grew up watching that movie, and it's definitely like a favorite, but I haven't rewatched it anytime recently. It's been years and years and years. I'm kind of like you. I'm a little, as I get a little older and more farther away from it, I get a little bit more apprehensive about watching it because I'm, I like the nostalgia and remembering right, it with right. the rose colored glasses. Right, so. right. You don't, you don't want to watch the games like, Ooh, that didn't, it's not only did that not age well, then now I feel icky. Yes. <laughs> I feel wrong for ever liking this. And it's like, the more I think about it, I, the more of the prop, Excuse me. The more of the problematic moments that I can think about. So yes, and and like you said, short short circuit too was the same way. Uh, but the guy that played the the white guy that played the Indian guy, he played a, he did a spectacular job. He was just you're not really supposed did. to do that, right? <laughs> he, he went to work too. That's what's so awesome about it. He went he went to work to uh, make sure that he did a proper representation of the person he was trying to depict. So mm -hmm. uh, kudos for him for going to work and fooling the people that he was imitating. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, that's, he's really good at his job then. So, right, I mean, right. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to be mad at him. And then um, there's also discussion. There's another podcast I listen to. It's called, uh, hold on a second while I, while I grab the name. Not a bomb podcast. I don't know if you've heard that one. So they talk about movies that have bombed at the box office and, and they try to figure out if it deserved to be a bomb. So the movie they talked about was The Lone Ranger. And we know the problems with that one. The specific problem of Johnny Depp being white, uh, playing a Native American. Now, there was a point where uh, the I think it was a Comanche tribe that there were some members that kind of gave him like an honorary membership to the tribe. And he would tell that he would tell people that he feels like he's Native American, but he never got a DNA test. So he, he's, he doesn't know and likely he's not, right? right. So, <laughs> you don't go around telling people, I feel like a Native American. That's just your, just, that's just your white privilege showing. No, you don't. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you, that's some Rachel Dazelle shit. <laughs> right, right, right. He was like, you're not supposed to do that. You're not, you're supposed to find somebody. What you should have did was you should have got yourself a producer credit and played a smaller part in a role and gave that role to somebody else who who probably would have did just as good a job or better, right? Ab so <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. Well, that sounds like a really interesting podcast. I, that's kind of cool that they uh, go back and kind of re-examine uh, those films and whether or not they should have bombed or not. That's kind of fun. Yeah. That's a nice, it's fun a little niche. Yeah, go check that out. That You might even be able to get them to come on your show or you might be able to go on their show. But it's it's a great podcast to listen to. So, uh, and then, right, right, right. I, I write them letters constantly. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea of you sitting down and you're writing the letters like, dear podcast. <laughs> it's like, I did not agree with you at all. <laughs> it's like your, your opinions were wrong. <laughs> I, I'm not that. I'm not that direct, but that that is essentially why I'm right. It's like they'll say something that triggers me, and that I, I feel like I need to write a letter about the Long Ranger. <laughs> but I feel like at the same time, I should rewatch it to see if I do feel the same way about it as I did when I first watched it. Because like, there are a lot of people that didn't like this movie, and I was like, it couldn't be that bad. And I watched it, and I was like, oh, I really love that movie. And now they're saying, well, if you watch it again, you're going to find some problems with it. So maybe I need to give it a rewatch to reevaluate it. Yeah, a little bit more of like a critical eye. It's kind of interesting to watch things from just like a fan perspective. Like I want like your intention is to sit down and want to enjoy it versus sitting down and being like, how can I pick this apart? 
Right. Well, I, I'm doing that anyway. Yeah. Like, uh, the movie, I, I just watched A Thousand Years of Yearning or some, whatever that one's called. That was the one with Idris Elba and Tilda Swanson. Right. And okay. I want, I wanted to like that movie so bad. And it started off great. Like the first half of the movie was like everything I wanted. And then it was at a certain point, like at, at one particular point where, where it's like, it's a genie, you make three wishes. Right. So at that point where, Tilda Swanson makes her wish. That's where it kind of fell apart for me. <laughs> but some people like that point. Some people, there there was another podcaster. He said that that was the point where the movie was better for him. But for me, it I, I didn't I, I didn't like the movie after that point. So um, so I I I am looking at certain movies. It was like I'm, my critical my critical eye is always up, right? <laughs> but I, at the same time, I like to I like to allow tv shows and movies to wash over me i don't want to watch something and then like look for hidden messages and stuff like that i might catch like all the hidden meetings in uh in the second or third viewing or mm-hmm. i might catch uh like some mistakes or full pause or something like that but i like i like for it to wash over me not looking for anything hidden or something like that and then um identify enjoy it then that's that's what I'm going to take for it. I must have enjoyed this movie or whatever. Um, but sometimes uh, some movies require uh, a second look, at least a second oh, look. Yeah. I think Nope is one of those movies. <laughs> oh, I haven't watched that one yet. I really want. I really need to see that. I need to. Yeah, I need to get caught up on some movie watching. Right. You definitely need to see that. Fuck yeah. So, well, <laughs> until I can get that watch in and then maybe we can discuss it. Who knows? We'll see what the future holds. Um, right. We are going to be talking about the very beloved and lots would say perfect movie, the classic kissing book turned kissing film, The Inconceivable, The Princess Bride, starring Carrie Elwes, Robin Wright, Pan- bleh, Mandy Patinkin, Andre the Giant, Christopher Guest, and so many more. It's directed by Rob Reiner and based on the book written by William Goldman, who also wrote the screenplay and is streaming on Disney Plus. Or you can rent it uh, uh Amazon Prime or a host of any other streaming services or purchase it or check it out from your local library. So we'll go ahead and give a quick spoiler warning slash synopsis. So the IMD synopsis is. While homesick in bed, a young boy's grandfather reads him the story of a farm boy turned pirate who encounters numerous obstacles, enemies, and allies in his quest to be reunited with his true love. My synopsis is, a grandpa visits his sick, ungrateful grandson and reads him a story about pirates, corrupt kings, revenge, and marriage. So, Zoe, what are your general thoughts on the movie? I found it to be extremely enjoyable. What what it is is that I didn't get to see it when it first came out, when I should have watched it. I imagine, had I watched it when it originally opened or around the time that it was originally out on DVD or cassette or whatever, I would have. it would have been my favorite movie or one of my favorites. But it's not. Instead, as I watch it as an adult, it's just a really cute, enjoyable movie. It's just... It's the type of movie that I want to share with my little nephews and nieces. And that's the type of movie that it need. It is something that you definitely want to share with younger people. Absolutely. So was this your very first time watching it then? Or had you seen it maybe a couple years ago or something? Or is this like fresh, fresh, fresh? This is fresh, fresh, fresh. I, I've only seen bits and pieces of it. Like it'll happen to be on TV and I'll catch a scene. The one scene I remember 
uh, where two scenes I remember. I remember uh, you killed my father and now you must die. And I remember Andre the Giant in the movie. So I was like, well, I got to go watch that movie because this is Andre the Giant. I didn't know he was in movies, right? <laughs> but uh, never, um, I never got around to watching it until I met you. Yeah, well, I'm glad I could be the reason why you got to sit down and enjoy this wonderful film. Like I said, some say absolutely perfect. And I kind of agree between the storytelling, the acting, the writing. I I love it all. I think it's a, a unique story. Yes, it's true love and all of that. But the I just from the pits of despair to the machine that sucks the life out of the um, Wesley and everything to just the characters. So much fun. Uh, between Vicini and Miracle Max, like all these side characters, and it's so well paced. It kind of, you know, you you meet the grandfather and the grandson, and the grandson Fred Savage is such a little shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny? I I, I, I was hoping that we talked about Fred Savage because now he's a grown shit. So, <laughs> and yep. I didn't realize that uh, he had such a problematic uh, situation. You know, a work situation. He creates a apparently like the rumors are that he creates a toxic workplace and i didn't realize that because he's a producer in a lot of tv shows and uh that's not good when your boss is like that mm-hmm. <laughs> but he at the same time he as a little kid like in that movie he wasn't that bad because you know you run into little kids like that all the time it's like because it's like well let me show you something you're like i don't want to see that you know they're going to like it but you have to kind of convince them and through the storytelling in the movie that's when you know, Fred Savage gets more and more into the story. Mm-hmm. It is really cute that he, how invested he does get uh, as the story, as grandpa keeps reading the story and the different twists and turns that kind of happen or whatever, you know, like when he thinks Wesley's dead and all of that, like he's very, very upset and it's kind of right. adorable, but you don't have to be a dick about it. <laughs> right. Right. Especially when he says, you read that wrong. You read now, go back. You read that. Wrong. <laughs> yeah. Your grandpa just told you this book is like a generational thing. It's been read from like, from, you know, a sick kid to sick kid for years and years. Grandpa knows the story shut up <laughs> right right but he wasn't uh yeah it, it's it was fun seeing that yeah i forgot how just kind of like little and like adorable he used to be because yeah as he got older some very problematic stuff i think there was like uh like assault charges or something or accusations i remember very very little of any of that so I kind of remember a little bit of something uh, along those lines. So anytime since then that he's been hired to do things, I'm just kind of like, so did I imagine that or everyone's just willing to forget? And I think we know now everyone's just willing to forget. No, what it is like he, he, uh, you know, he he has this, he'll, um, I think what it is is that he, he says, ah, it's not going to happen. I'm going, I'm not going to do it this time. And then he does it again. (laughs) It's almost like repetitive, like predatory behavior or something. (laughs) But it's, Uh, that that bitch was tripping. Come on now. It's me, Fred. Come on. Who are you going to believe? Yeah. Wonder years. Come on. Look at me. It's like, no, dude. But aside from Fred Savage, we also get Robin Wright as the lovely and also kind of bratty Princess Buttercup. <laughs> Always kind of bossing people around and waiting to be rescued and a little useless in the uh, in the swamps. But she's it's true love and she's that kind of classic damsel in distress. And I, I, I 
as much as she kind of bugs me, it's still I I still like the character because I love this movie. This is one of my all time like favorite childhood movies. That's right. That, has aged. It's still a classic tale. It's there's nothing problematic with this one, <laughs> right? So, and at least she knows what she wants. She's she's at least resistant to being married to somebody that she doesn't want to be married to, right? So, at, at the very least, she's she's a she's at, she gives a little pushback, right? Even though she's not really in a position to give pushback. That's true. She is very like open and honest and upfront. And I do kind of, that is always kind of interesting the way that like her and Humperdinck acknowledge that, yeah, they don't like each other, you know, let alone love each other, but this is happening and, and she can be as vocal about it as she wants. Right, right, right. And, and Prince Humperdinck had some interior motors anyway, ulterior motors. So there's that. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yep, that uh, classic corrupt prince and, yeah, scheming and scamming and everything. So I do like Princess, and her and Wesley are really, like, just so sweet. And I was reading that uh, that Carrie and Robin were actually quite smitten with each other during filming, uh-huh. too. And so I guess Carrie had said that when they kind of were first introduced or went to go do their first scene, he said that he found it a little hard to concentrate because he was just so taken back. And I was like, that's so romantic. That sounds so romantic. And I want to believe it because I think that just fits with the movie theme and, and vibe as well. So, and, and they were both very, very, very good looking in 1987. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and you can imagine uh, that the director and the producer was like, look at that chemistry. Right. Right. <laughs> As exactly. they were rehearsing and whatnot, <laughs> or they were casting and they, put them opposite of each other. I was like, yeah, this is, this is going to work out perfectly. <laughs> yep. And it did. And it did. Right. And there's, you know, I was reading some of the different casting choices for some of the different characters. And I guess at one point, Arnold Schwarzenegger was considered for the role of that Andre got of um, Fezzik. And, but that was like back in the seventies. And so that didn't go through. And by the time the movie did start to move forward, uh, Arnie was, already big action star and so they were able to get andre the giant so which i think right. is a, I think this movie is just beautifully cast wonderfully cast everyone does an amazing job with their characters well in the in the late 70s andre the giant was a much better actor than arnold schwarzenegger and <laughs> andre was not that great in his movie but he was so his english was better his diction was better uh as a matter of fact I feel like his speech was, I wanted to look it up to see if uh, he did his own speech, but it sounded like him to me because I've heard him speak in wrestling, obviously. Mm-hmm. And so uh, even uh, like in this movie, he sounds better than the way he he sounds in wrestling because in wrestling, his accent is really thick. Right? Mm-hmm. You have to you have to concentrate. But I think he it seems to me that he had some either he had some coaching or his English had gotten better uh, when he did this movie. I could see so, maybe yeah. a, I could see maybe a little bit of both, just maybe him wanting to do a good job because Andre was, I think, kind of one of those classic big friendly giants. He's huge. He was massive, but he was like you hear the stories, you watch the documentaries, and he was just like the nicest guy. And one of the other things I read was that while it was kind of cold shooting uh, the movie at some points, Robin Wright would get chilly. So Andre's hand was so big, he would just place it on top of her head, cover her <laughs> whole head and help keep her warm. So this is all from IMDb. And so IMDb has right. never lied to me. Uh, <laughs> right. 
So I just, I, I could see that. I feel like that is, I, I absolutely believe that that is true. Right, right. Yeah, and so, okay, so we have Princess Buttercup and her little dramatic ass about, like, thinking, like, towards the end of the movie, I just have to say, when she's, when Wesley doesn't come, where she does, where she thinks Wesley isn't coming to save her, and she thinks she has now married the prince, and she's going to go and kill herself in her bedroom, like, oh my god, with the, it's a beautiful <laughs> little blade that she has, not little blade, but the little dagger or whatever, and, like, through your chest... <laughs> Could you be more dramatic? Yeah. It's dramatic and hardcore because, like, most of that—that's hard. It's hard to stab yourself, and most people would go so something soft like the neck or the wrist. But she was going for the chest. She was like, oh, and most people, devastated. if you're going to, right, if you're going to stab yourself in the chest, you want to use something like a, a sword and fall on it, right? Because that way you guarantee for it to work. Uh, and if you're trying to penetrate your chest, you probably get skittish halfway through and not actually do it. Or you'll hit a rib and then you'll get in pain and you'll get scared and you won't mm-hmm. go through with it. But she was like, whoa. I don't even know if she even knew where her ribs was, but she was going for it. She was going for it. Her heart was broken. It was shattered. That's And she was just trying to recreate that feeling or something because like it was gonna go slow i don't know why i overthought this moment this last when i watched it the other night i was like what what did you think was gonna happen (laughs) thank god wesley was in there (laughs) right right i could see just kind of like making a small indent just like the tiniest little like prick and just her being like ow and then just (laughs) throwing a fit about that how that didn't work out for her (laughs) right right yeah wesley was like yeah that's a perfectly good set of breasts is hate for you to ruin them mm-hmm. <laughs> what a classy way to say nice tits <laughs> yeah absolutely all right and speaking of wesley farm boy turned dread pirate roberts which we find out is just a lore their dread pirate roberts has been retired for years and years and years and it's just something that the the, the whole look the zoro-esque look just has gotten passed down from person to person so what did you think of wesley and what did you think of his kind of little his little arc of always being in love and just being reunited and being a badass that was cool he had a nice little arc because he started off as a kind of a simp right <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like whatever the princes want you know he would just go ahead and do it without any fuss about it but at the same time i think he was just being a nice guy and i guess it's uh the thing where you know nice guys don't always finish last and then he got lost at sea which is kind of cool uh to come back pretending to be a, a pirate and then he was chasing them i got they, they kind of i felt like there's a chapter missing where he caught up with the princess so because he was he was chasing the bandits that had uh that had kidnapped her and so how he was how he was able to catch up with them is 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 not explained but but we're going to skip over that part for the sake of it being a, uh, everything else in the movie was pretty cool. And then he was funny. He was like real funny. His, his comic timing was is it was sweet. And uh, I liked his uh, his his speech and his manner was all it was already cool. So he was like, yeah, uh, I'd like to be that guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like people that watch this maybe as a kid probably wanted to be went through little phases of like, you know, pretending to be the Dread Pirate Roberts and wear like a little eye mask and pretend to be fencing and everything. Cause I mean, he was pretty cool. The the sword fight between him and Inigo is still one of the best like 
fight sequences, sword fight sequences, I think I've ever seen. And the fact that it's those two, they trained and trained and trained. And so there's, I've read two different things. One, there's like no stunt, no stunt people. And one other thing that said there was one stunt person for Carrie Ellie's character to do one of the flips or something, which I could see. I think that's likely. I, I didn't notice that, but uh, I did notice a stunt person when they were rolling down the hill. Yes. <laughs> Dude, that hill and the way Princess Buttercup just yeets her ass down, like, you couldn't have tried to, like, walk slowly, like, again, with the dramatics. Yeah, also, there are ways of rolling, like, if you wanted to roll down a hill, I feel like there were safer ways to do it, right? Yeah. <laughs> she she practically threw herself down the hill. She but, yeah, that was that was a great sword fight. I really loved, that was one of my favorite parts of the movie, was the sword fight between those two, because they were all equally, one of my, one of my favorite lines in there was, like, uh, yeah, you are better than me. This is what Inigo says. You are better than me. And then, uh, what's his name? Wesley says, well, why are you smiling? He says, because I know something you don't know. I'm, I'm actually right-handed. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and so he was fighting with left hand. He switched to his right hand. And then later on, um, Wesley does the same thing. So that was fun. That was that was really sweet. That was a lot of fun. And it sounds, this, this may sound a bit made up, but I remember, it must have been like the first time watching that scene when I was a kid. And just being like, oh, he's not actually like it was the biggest twist for me. I was like, oh my god, he's not left-handed. Oh my god, he's not left-handed either. It was <laughs> so again, it, it definitely a movie for kind of a, a younger crowd to kind of really build into that sense of wonderment, suspending disbelief, fantasy, all that stuff. So it's, I it's still one of my like I said, still one of my absolute favorites. And it's a, I think it's I read it's like a three minute long fight scene fencing scene mm-hmm. which i think that's i thought that was kind of impressive yeah yeah spent, it, that for for an action sequence that that sounds pretty low yeah yeah so and especially for like 87 where this isn't like your 80s or 90s like big blocks or big blockbuster action flicks you know so you have a nice action moment three minutes and it's funny it's engaging it's entertaining and it's very wowing and again perfection <laughs> with this and movie they, yeah, and they didn't have to kill each other so that was sweet it's like yeah you i beat you but i don't need you following because uh-oh zofros oh there you go there you are okay <laughs> all right so go <laughs> ahead i'm sorry that yeah you froze there for a moment so kind of cut out what you said there so if you want to repeat that i was saying that oh, i'm not even sure where it was uh what did i say Sef- something about the uh, the sword fight was three minutes, and that was kind of long for a sword fight. So I did say that part. Yeah. And then what was the other part that I said? Um, uh, it was engaging. I don't know if I said that or not. If if it were engaging or not. Uh, what was the other part that I said? I said that. Uh, um. Well, I, I don't remember. It's gone. It's gone now. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's lost to iniquity. Oh. <laughs> Oh, oh well. Well, if it comes up, if it happens to come back to you, just shout it out. No big deal. So right, right. But uh, yeah. And then okay. So since we're talking about Wesley, I I loved the respect. Oh, that they didn't have to kill each other is what you were yes, saying. That's what I was saying. Yes, he said. Uh, I it, it would be a waste of a good swordsman. So he knocks him out with his sword. And how Wesley takes over basically all three gang members was. Was pretty sweet, right? Mm-hmm. 
Totally. Yeah. 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 And I love that too, because after Wesley knocks out Inigo, he tells him that he has the utmost respect for him. And then you really see that when they all kind of come together and join forces at the end and then at the end end too. So I really love that whole back and forth with Wesley and Inigo and the tete on tete and the banter, but then also that respect and those moments of from Inigo being like, wow, like, who are you? Who is this guy? You're so impressive. So it's just, it's so cute. I love it. <laughs> right, right, right. So, and then while we're on Inigo, what did you think of Inigo and his quest for vengeance? Oh, it's one of my favorite characters. And he, even having not seen the movie, just that part where uh, when he finally confronts the man, he needs to get revenge on. And he keeps saying that line. That, that That's what I first knew him from. And so then... So I finally get to see his whole story arc from the beginning. Like he's basically uh, joined up with this gang and he's he like he wants to get revenge. That's this is the sort of thing. But he, uh, you know, vengeance is is a costly pursuit. Right. So he has to do something for income uh, mm-hmm. in the meantime. So so that's what he's doing. It's like um, it's like. Vengeance is his podcasting and being with this gang is his real job. <laughs> right. So. So yes. he's like, soon enough, he's going to uh, his his real job is going to pay off and he's going to be able to do his podcasting on his side. <laughs> oh, my God. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. And, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, he and then I like, you know, him telling his story about how he trained his whole life. And it's like he's both telling you and he's showing you at the same time that he's a great swordsman. And so one one of the best moments in the film is like when they're all uh, he's surrounded like he confronts the the guy right the guy that killed his father but the guy has like four men four swordsmen in front of him and he it's him and Andre the Giant behind him so you figure they're both going to fight but when they charge him he kills all four of them and it looks fantastic it's like you know, one charges him he slashes him he stabs one behind him then he runs the other guy through that's right in front of him and he takes them all by himself not needing andre's help and uh and then he challenges that that guy the the, sink, the six-fingered man right <laughs> and uh the guy and then it was funny how the guy looks like he's gonna fight and then runs away so that mm-hmm. was pretty awesome because he already knows that he already knows that he's outmatched so that was pretty cool and then near the end, when they catch up with him and he's stabbed, but then he's like, he refuses to die, right? He just fights through the pain because it's like the most, because at first he was resigned to losing. He mm-hmm. tells his father that, you know, he says, I'm sorry. I, you know, sorry, father, I did my best. And then, you know, it, it just something just clicks in him and he refuses to die. He fights on and he basically gets his revenge. So that, that was, that was pretty cool. He was just a cool character. He, uh, how he's, uh, like admonishing that what's his name that the the, sh- the boss of the gang and this is why do you keep saying that word i don't think what <laughs> you think of me that's so, it, i loved his accent it's just everything was just fun about him but also when when they said that um at least the little guy when he whenever he used inconceivable it was the correct way he mm-hmm. just overused the word it's like there weren't any other words it's like he learned that word and then it's like that was his favorite word and uh he, he wasn't going to give it up yeah well there are some synonyms like unbelievable incredible but he wasn't using those words it's inconceivable that's that's the only one he wanted to use 
and like, he used it for what all of it was worth. It's like his his word calendar like of the day or something. So he had to. It's almost like he had to be able to have to try and use it in a sentence so many times in a day. And hopefully he reached his goal before he kicked it. So well, I think it was his word calendar for the year because he was. <laughs> He was all about that word. He, it's yeah. inconceivable. Inconceivable. Right? <laughs> and now it's like, because, you know, I've watched this movie for so many years, it's like anytime I hear the word inconceivable or see it written anywhere, that's Vicini goes through my head is inconceivable. So I love right. that these, there's so many like pop culture historical moments from this movie, memeable moments, quotable moments. It's Yeah, absolutely. This movie is so much fun. So, yeah, I love, I mean, I love Inigo. I love Mandy Patinkin. And then kind of reading about how his inspiration for Inigo and this quest for revenge, how it, he kind of put himself into it because, um, using the, that the pain and the loss from when his, his father died from cancer. So he had said that in that final fight scene against the six fingered man, and he gets his revenge for him. That was a very like therapeutic kind of moment because he felt like in a way he was getting revenge on for his father. And that in a way, the six fingered man kind of represented cancer. And as someone right. who's lost both parents to cancer, oh, I would love to cut a motherfucker. <laughs> Metaphorically, <laughs> right, you know, to get that. <laughs> right, right. But, Metaphorically, of course. Yes, of course. So I, I right. love that he put so much of himself into that role and into that. And you really feel that, especially in those in that last fight scene where he gets his revenge against the six finger man. One of the best, and I think one of the more emotional scenes, especially when you know that little kind of uh, fun fact tidbit about it so right it's like jenny why are you making me wear this t-shirt that says cancer on it <laughs> no worries just stand uh, there now and <laughs> right 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 just stand there and just just uh pray for me um also about patinkin um i was excited to see this movie because uh i think a couple of weeks ago one of the movies i did was alien nation and I was like, oh, my God, he's in this one, too. <laughs> it's not now it's there are two movies that I know him from. It's Alienation and it's this movie. And I, I love both of these movies. But uh, I was I didn't realize that it was him because he's playing the alien. And I wasn't familiar with uh, uh, with him as an actor. I wasn't familiar with him. The only thing I knew about him was like this movie. But obviously, he's been in other movies. Now he's in a really popular TV show right now. But, uh, yeah, he played the alien partner. Um, named his the name that he was given was Sam Francisco, like Sam, like S A M, Sam Francisco, <laughs> and uh, that's when his his partner cop he was like, no, I'm not, I'm not calling you that, I'm not calling you Sam Francisco. There's no way I'm calling you that. From now on, your name is George. I'm calling you George Francisco <laughs> because there were like three hundred thousand aliens, and it was like the department that was in charge of them was running out of names to give them right so they was like they just started fooling around you got some people running around named I, uh isaac no not isaac what's his name um albert einstein there's another guy running around uh named like after some other famous person so yeah they just started giving out whatever kind of names <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of funny yeah i have to say that i I'm, you know, fully aware aware of who Mandy Patinkin is, and maybe it's from this movie and everything. But when going through his IMDb, I realized I haven't seen a lot of anything else that he's really been in. 
but he's so well known and I think very well respected and he just seems like a nice dude. So Yeah. Yeah. We love Mandy Patinkin. I'm sorry, I'll watch more of your movies, I promise. <laughs> when I have more time. So <laughs> Right. <laughs> All right. And let's see. Let's go ahead and talk about uh Vicini, Fezic, and well, we touched on Inigo. So let's what did you think of Vicini, the inconceivable? And yeah. Fezic, Andre, uh, what did you think of these two characters? Well, I, uh, Vicini, that character, I feel like I've seen an actor before, but I don't remember where I've seen him. In. But he was just kind of like, unfortunately, he reminds me of me. Somebody who thinks he's smarter than than what he thinks he is. He's <laughs> going around trying to prove to everybody how what a genius he is and um, and belittling everybody else because, they don't, you know, he doesn't see them as his uh intellectual evil uh equal also mm. he's not a sailor because uh he's saying left instead of port uh he's he's like just go that way just go that he's like he has no idea how to command his men to run the ship right so not a sailor obviously he had all them brains but didn't bother to learn how to you know operate a sailing ship um so it, it's that kind of smart it's like yeah you're not as he's not as smart as he's trying to uh, impress people that he is that's why he likes to use words like inconceivable that's the one four syllable word that he learned <laughs> or five and and that's that's the one he uses most often and then there's a, the battle of wits of course that's mm-hmm. that's the end of his story arc where he's he's still trying to prove that he's the smarter one but he he's a loser at the end and it was awesome i love the way that worked out <laughs> <laughs> He's like, yeah, the poison is this cup. It's like, no, nah, the poison is in both cups, right? <laughs> I just have, I'm just not affected by it. <laughs> oh, I love the whole back and forth. And then at one point, Wesley's just like, you truly do have a dizzying intellect. And he's, and then Vicini's like, wait till I get started. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, that was awesome. Oh, also about him, I think it was because he was short. I think he had a short man complex and that's why it was like, well, I'm, I'm not tall. So I'm just going to have to use my brain and impress everybody with my, uh, what little bit of intellect that I have, because Andre obviously had the strength and then, um, Inigo had the fighting skills. So he had to bring something to the table. <laughs> the quote, the quote brains of the operation. Right, right. Right. I mean, the best thing he did was conceive of the plan to kidnap the princess and use that, use her demise to try to start a war right so and it's funny because apparently the prince was trying to do the same thing so that's a little bit confusing but i'm, I'm well the prince that hired the, the, the prince hired vizini and his little oh, crew to kidnap right. the princess to do all of that so right right so yeah. so that failed so he's going just to have to do it himself <laughs> and then fezzik uh andre the giant uh it, you know what's funny when I, I was watching on amazon and you know how you when you pause the screen and you put your cursor on the screen, it mm-hmm. gives you like a little bit of information and uh, trivia and whatnot. So it credited Andre as Andre Rene Rosimov. And I was like, oh, that's cool. They put his real name on Aww, there. <laughs> that's so sweet. I think that is so sweet. <laughs> right, right. And and Andre's acting wasn't the best, but it was better than what I expected of him, right? But Obviously, he's been acting for decades in the ring. So it's not like he's completely unfamiliar with the craft. So he, he did a pretty passable job. He, he had some really funny moments, right? So, <laughs> and it, like I said, his uh, his ability to speak English was much better than I had anticipated because I was expecting a bunch of 
garble, right? Yeah. Hard to understand. <laughs> like a, yeah, because uh his he has a French accent and it is there are some moments when it is truly thick. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Even being familiar with this movie, I'm very grateful for my closed captioning because I have to watch everything on with closed captioning on, otherwise I can't hear it and I'm not hearing impaired in any way other than just too many concerts in my youth. Right, 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 right. Yeah, that'll so, do it. So, but there were still times where I'm like, okay, so that's what he said. I got that kind of clarification where I was always like, did he say this or that? I'm not really sure. So love the closed captioning. It's my right. favorite. So <laughs> I think one of my favorite things about Fezzik is, is his ability to rhyme. So when they first kidnap uh, Princess Buttercup and they're on the ship and they're getting ready to sail away and everything and Vizzini's really, really mean because he is. He's very belittling to both of them. Right. And you can see that, like, you know, he says some hurtful shit to Fezzik and you can see that Fezzik mm-hmm. is bothered by it, but then Inigo comes in and give, you know, says something like I, I can't remember how what word it was but it kind of sets off the back and forth rhyming. Yeah, yeah. That was the sweetest thing. I was like, he saw that his friend was hurting and wanted to help bright, brighten his spirits, and it worked. And it, I, I love it so much. And so then, kind of throughout the movie, every once in a while, I think Andre uh, Fezzik would kind of randomly rhyme uh, was against something someone said, and I just right. thought that was such a cute little touch and so much fun and something that like I can't believe I never really picked up on until more recently. I was like, oh, he's such a good rhymer. <laughs> It, what's also funny is that he, he had way more lines than I ever expected of him. I, I He was like, oh, he's a practical motor mouth in this movie. <laughs> yeah, he really is. He, and, you know, and especially when, when they disguise him, try, you know, as the dreaded uh, pirate, red, uh, dreaded pirate Robert. Oh, my God. What is wrong with me? As the dread pirate Roberts. And they've got him on the cart and they light him on fire and his whole spiel and, and terrifying the guards and everything. That's that was quite a bit. <laughs> right, right. Now, was was that actually him on the cart or was he like a, behind the cart or something? Because I thought maybe they put like an effigy where he would be or something that was his size and he was kind of like in the bushes making uh announcing the dread pirate because they set him on fire and obviously he wasn't on fire <laughs> i think it was supposed to actually be him but obviously you know because in the way it was filmed that we only got the more far away shots of seeing the um you know quote him on the uh, wheelbarrow thing on fire but we would get a couple of close-up shots where there's flames in front of it trying to i think supposed to be like see no he's really on fire but no we can't actually set andre the giant <laughs> right, on fire right, right, so right. and and there's no stuntman that big <laughs> right <laughs> exactly <laughs> so i really you know because there's kind of times where you know, like that scene where you're like, oh, that's clearly not Andre. That's clearly not even a person. That's some statue or something that they set on fire for the shot. And even like the sword fighting scene with uh, Wesley and Inigo, the kind of little ruined area that they're fighting on. It, it does look it, I mean, it doesn't look like real or legit or, how you know. But I love that. And I think that just adds to the fact that this is a grandfather telling a story to a child. And so we're not going to see everything perfectly. You know what I mean? It's going to be a little 
a little off in that sense. So I always kind of chalked it up to that as well, even though it's clearly like not Andre or a person. But I'm like, oh, no, right, it's, right, right. it's the kid's imagination. I guess we'll go with that. So, <laughs> Right, right, right. Absolutely. I, I, I wasn't bothered by that. It, it wasn't like the most realistic looking setting or, or whatever. Or the, mm-hmm. the costumes were a little bit... Uh, it was a little bit too fantasy looking, right? It's not like they went for like a Game of Thrones realism. They went right. for, but what would a costume that a child would imagine for this time period? And that's what they went with. That's where they chose the colors. That's why they weren't bothered that the, they, it looked like everything was shot indoors. Right? <laughs> so it wasn't, we're not bothered by that because it's supposed to be a child's imagination. So I was fine with that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and so agree with everything about Fezzik and Vizzini. So the uh, actor is Wallace something or another. Now, all of a sudden, I can't think of his name. But he's definitely, like, a that guy. He's popped up in a ton of things. And he's done, you know, he's got a very distinctive voice. So he's done a lot of voiceover work. So when I was scrolling through his IMDb, I was even just like, oh, yeah, and he was in that. Oh, and he did that voice. And so very extensive. And I, I always get a kick out of seeing him and hearing him because he's always going to be Vicini. Right, right, right. <laughs> All right. So let's see who else we have on the list. I guess we still have like Prince Humperdinck and anyone else that you wanted to bring up. What did you think of Prince Humperdinck? And oh, his just ever so busy schedule of pitting two countries against each other and murdering his wife and framing her for it is he's swamped right 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 <laughs> yeah he's when, when he first appeared on screen it was one of those things like i know that guy i know that guy and because i was watching on amazon i was able to find out instantly who he was like is that the guy it's like yes that's the guy that was the guy who was in fright nights he played the vampire and I was like, oh, my God. And he looks exactly the same. He's like, it's that guy. He's playing the same character. He's playing an older guy trying to bed a younger, like, teenage girl. It's like he, I guess that's the type of parts he gets, right? That he's typecast as a, as a, um, a sexual predator. So, <laughs> he's, and he's got that face, too. He's like perfectly, uh, what you call it? He's perfectly cast as that i guess he's he's got he's got that creepy face he's like handsome and creepy at the same time yes and and i like that he he uh is a, a lot of movies have competent villains right so in this movie there were no competent villains these villains didn't know how to fight they as soon as they come up with any kind of opposition they fold so that's what he did right so as soon as it's like he had wesley in the bed wesley is still weak from that the torture and but he doesn't know it right he doesn't know that wesley is still weak and uh so wesley like threatens him anyway he bluffs and he was a bluff because he's because uh humphrey dick is such a coward so that that was and he played the he played the role perfectly at least but he did have some skills like i like that yes he was competent in tracking he was competent in uh detective work he's so like, he was a fairly good detective but he wasn't a fighter, so that was pretty cool. And he was surrounded by people who didn't want to fight. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and apparently his father and mother had no clue what was going on, right? Just dense, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, that old king, he's just like, she kissed yeah. me. She right, confessed right. she's going to hurt herself, but she kissed me. Like, oh. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, as like they, they are basically out to lunch. Um, yep. But 
Yeah, he and so that's why he could get away with everything that he was getting away with because his father was basically absent. So, but yeah, he was he was a pretty cool vil, uh, villain. Uh, I, I I liked uh, I I liked that it was different from the other villains that I'm used to seeing. Mm-hmm. I, I'm there's like too too much Marvel, I guess, because sure. all of these villains in Marvel are super competent, and uh, this guy was not right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In Marvel, everyone's a genius and, <laughs> and a specialist in something or another, and this guy just he is. He's a really skilled tracker, and I've always hated that about him. <laughs> <laughs> hated that he was good at something yes exactly and i think maybe that's it because he's so incompetent like everywhere else and he's so shallow and yeah like you said a coward because he's when wesley confronts him and threatens him he it's it's a pretty terrible pretty gnarly fucking threat and you know it's to the pain and this and that and right it's it's like the idea of being ugly and hideous and the nightmare of children, women and children across the land was enough for him to be like, I can't be ugly. I'll, I'll be <laughs> captured, but at least I'll still be, you know, predator pretty. <laughs> right, right. Also, what's interesting is that uh, he reminds me of Prince Farquaad. I'm thinking that maybe Prince Farquaad oh. was based on him. Maybe a little little insp- inspiration there. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. could see that. <laughs> I could see that absolutely. <laughs> Except uh, Farquaad was, I think, it was a little bit more competent. So you know, <laughs> and maybe not entirely. <laughs> and, and of course, we uh, you didn't mention him, but we got to talk about. There were a lot of cameos in this mm-hmm. movie, but the best cameo was the Billy Crystal cameo. Yep, Miracle so Max. he was, you're right, Miracle Max and his wife, and they were just, he was just pouring on, like, the New York Jew. Uh, <laughs> uh, he just poured it on thick, and that that was basically the funny part. Like, just him acting that way, because, like, nothing he did was actually funny, like, going on and getting the bellows and pushing air into his mouth, and it was just the way he was talking, and and his thick accent. That was the only thing that was funny about that, and and that was pleasure. I always, I always enjoyed Billy Crystal. It's one of the upcoming movies that we're going to do is City Slickers. So nice, yeah, classic. I truly enjoy. I, I should, I should be watching the one where he's uh, the stranger, the murders in the building, isn't he? In that one, or is that no. somebody else? No, yeah, okay. Only I'm murders. About, that's yeah. That's only Martin murders. Short. Yeah, and Steve Martin and Selena right, Gomez. Right, right, And it's okay, amazing. Right, right. I love yeah. that show so, so much. I've gushed right. about it a lot, just kind of randomly in episodes. <laughs> 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 well, Steve Martin and Martin Short, as I have said before, are two of my favorite old white guys, and I love them to pieces. And it's going to be a <laughs> right, very, right. very sad day for me um, when those days come. But I love, I love them. And I'll say it again, the weird tree, this weird trio in that show, only murders in the building of Steve Martin, Martin Short and Selena Gomez works. And I love it. And I am looking forward to season three. <laughs> yeah, man, I should check that out. Oh, totally. Also, it's such a fun watch. There, there's a grandpa and grandson. The, the one thing I wanted to know, besides Peter Falk, like totally surprising me because it's like when I started to realize that, Oh yeah. Uh, people can play different roles, right? He he doesn't have to be just Columbo. It's like, oh, it's Columbo with a mustache. And he was actually somewhat different than Columbo. He was much more animated. It looks like, like Columbo looks like somebody who's been walking the beat for a long time. And he asked, you know, like body, not, not, well, he's, his body's in pain all the time. So he doesn't do a lot of movement. But the grandpa in this movie, like he was just moving around. He was animated. So I was like, oh, this is awesome. He was like a, it was like a different person. He's, 
he's acting right (laughs) (laughs) so uh yeah, so and and I, I I believe the affection that the grandpa had for his son. And what I noticed about the son, besides like Fred Savage being Fred Savage, like he, he when he was younger, he could do no wrong. He was like in this movie, then he was in the Wonder Years. I was a Fred Savage fan when I was younger. So Little Monsters. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember that one. That, oh. I've only seen him in Wonder Years. Okay. Uh I did see that and I've only seen pieces of The Wizard. So I, I didn't really see a, a bunch of that, but it, it was just him in the Wonder Years where I yeah. watched him grow up, which was awesome. So uh, I noticed there were a lot of things in his room that I, I wrote down here. Did you notice uh, um, the the poster of the football player? Yes. So yes. do you know who that was? Um, I kind I think maybe from like commercials and stuff because I'm not a big a uh, big sports person. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Neither am I. <laughs> Neither, but everybody knew him because he was a GI Joe. He was he was on all the commercials. Um, his name is uh, Refrigerator Perry, but I wanted to That's find. Right, I wanted to find his uh his last name because I can't remember his la- I mean his first name. I keep thinking George, but it's not George. It's William refrigerator perry (laughs) so yeah so he had that poster so you can tell he's a big football fan because he has a t-shirt on and he has a poster and then he had uh, a captain america action figure i noticed that he also had a he had a t-shirt oh a judge dread t-shirt that was on a chair that his grandpa was sitting on so he's he's a kid just like me playing his video games collecting all the toys (laughs) yeah yeah he had a he-man action figure also uh behind him on his bedstand it was more knocked it was like laying down so it wasn't like standing up like the captain america one was and then i was reading too that they i can't i can't remember what the reason was but they they snuck a uh, this is Spinal Tap hat on in on set in in Fred Savage's in the b- grandson's bedroom because Rob right. Reiner also directed that movie. Christopher Guest is also in that movie, and that movie is fucking hilarious. <laughs> one of my top. I, I've got a lot of top favorites, <laughs> but that is definitely one. And one thing that you can always appreciate for uh, Spinal Tap is the cultural impact of turning things up to eleven. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Also, I, I that's one of the movies I really got to rewatch. That's definitely This Is Spinal Tap because I've only seen it like once and just barely watching it. It's like one of those things that's on TV and you catch a couple of scenes, you, and you, but you don't sit down and actually watch the movie. And I didn't, I didn't truly watch it, so I really, I definitely need to do a rewatch of that one. Oh, absolutely! It's always worth rewatching, and it's so funny the turning it up to eleven when it just random. It popped up in like a PBS kids show. My kids were watching one day in the in the cartoon. The kids were doing a band thing. It was Peg Plus Cat, and I loved that show. And I'm sad that my kids are a little a little older for that now. But um, yeah, so they're doing a band, and one of the characters goes to the speaker or whatever it's called <laughs> to turn right. it up to eleven. And right. I just I giggled, and my kids were young, and they're just like, I don't. Right, do, do they right, go right. up to eleven? And <laughs> right, right. like, well, they can. Yeah. <laughs> now that that joke was for me. Uh children yes, uh, also exactly. they, i think they did start making certain speakers go up to 11 just as part of the joke like oh. in real life you could buy a speaker that went to 11 and that was the highest volume <laughs> <laughs> i love it so much <laughs> that was a direct uh a direct impact of that movie yeah yeah so yeah i think that this is spinal tap and the princess bride are always worth rewatching. uh 
one with the kids and maybe not the one not so much. But uh, but yeah, I just I love this movie. And were there any other like specific scenes or moments that kind of stood out to you, good or bad, or you're just for any reason? Well, I just I was just looking to the side, looking at the notes that I made. So there there were a couple. So there was one where they're doing the rescue, and I think it's uh, what's his name, Inigo. Inig- uh, if I'm not actually reading his name. Inigo. I don't know what it is. Inigo, yeah. thank you. So Inigo and um, Fezzik, they're in the hallway. They actually got the guard. They they need the key from the guard. And oh, I think uh, I think the other guy was there too. But anyways, they're like, uh, we need we need the key. And the guy's like, I don't have a key. I don't know what you're talking about. And and then casually, just casually, they say Fezzik tears tear off his arms, and he's like, Oh, <laughs> this key, this key right here. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Uh, oh, also, uh, the the albino. He did one of my favorite scenes. I want to laugh out loud moment. So when um when the uh Wesley, I got it. It's Wesley, like Wesley Crusher. So Wesley, go. when he's captured, right? When he's captured, he's laying on slab, and then the guy comes over and he comes in that voice and is like, "Oh, you're never getting out." And you, oh, you're never getting out of here. I was like, hey, his voice changed. So he first he comes and he sounds like uh like Smeagol and then mm-hmm. and then his he coughs up whatever is blocking his throat and he has a regular voice so that was real funny oh that's and, one of, uh, that's a that's a classic yeah one of my faves yeah 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 his uh pits of despair voice but th- those are the two moments that I could think of that uh of that I wrote down in my notes that that I really like that we hadn't talked about already yeah um one of my favorite Okay, so one of my favorite lines in the movie is after Fred Savage, you know, the grandson is like, he yells at Grandpa, you're reading it wrong. And Grandpa's like, and then, you know, he calms down and everything. Grandpa finishes the story and Wesley's alive. And and the grand, and the grandkid's like, yeah, see, I told you. And then Grandpa's like, yes, yes, you're very smart. Now shut up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one, <laughs> it's one of my favorite yeah, lines. Yeah. He's just right, kind of right. like a little tired of this kid shit, a little tired of being interrupted, just wants to continue this story, goddammit. <laughs> and then another another one of my favorite lines is when uh they've when Inigo and Fezzik have already taken Wesley to Miracle Max and given him the big pill that's coated in chocolate to help it go down easier, which I don't care how much fucking chocolate you put on that gigantic bean of a pill. There's no like going down easily with that thing. Holy shit. But he, the, he, Wesley wakes up and he's like, what's going on? And then in goes like, he's, Wesley's like, all right, I'll explain too much to explain. I'll sum up. And then just goes into like, here we are in the, here's where we're at in the story. We have to now right. go storm the castle. And, right. and, and in the way, he even thinks about it for a second. He's like, nope, too much. Let me sum up. I don't it, <laughs> right, it has right. me laughing out loud literally every single time. It's some of the best like writing and delivery, this movie all around. Yeah, also the the whole ragdoll bit that Resley was doing. Like, he was a total ragdoll being carried around. And they had to lift his head up so that he could, like, even talk to them. And then they would let his head go and he was, it starts flopping around. I was like, that was just brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then even, like, so in in that same kind of moment, too, and they start going off and Inigo's like, all right, he's got all these questions. And what about this? What about that? And... Yeah, and Wesley can't hold his head up, so Fezzik's holding it and is doing the nodding motions for yeah. him in response to Inigo. <laughs> right, right. 
Uh, it's what can I say? Like I said, perfect movie. I love it. Such great writing and acting. So well cast. And I love too that this movie was inducted into the National Film Registry for being culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant. And I couldn't agree more. Right. Absolutely. All right. Let's see. Is there anything else? Any other scenes or characters? Um, yeah, because we we touched on Miracle Max because you, you have to. Like you said, it's Billy Crystal and the wife, Carol Kane. Their whole interaction and kind of their married couple life and everything is so much fun. Right, right. Like, you lied. You lied to him. He said true love. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. To blame. Everyone knows to blame is to bluff. Like, do they, though? (laughs) Right, right, right. Oh, oh, there there was one more thing. There's one more thing I remember. The the ROSs. So that was fun. It was like, because they're in the the fire swamp. It was like, well, we got past the sand sand pits. We got past the fire holes. Uh, I think we're good. It's like, what about the ROSs? Oh, you mean the rodents of unusual size? Ah, That's fiction, right? (laughs) And then he gets attacked. Because you you see it right away. Like, goodness gracious, it's a giant rat costume. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, completely. (laughs) Yeah, those things are terrifying. Right. And then, yeah, the the little, like, mini pits of, like, quicksand and everything. Like, and I remember right. being a kid in the 80s and thinking that quicksand was going to be, like, a legit issue I was going to have to encounter as I grew up. All of us believed that quicksand was everywhere and we were going to get swallowed, especially if you grew up, like, in, in the country <laughs> or you spent some time in the country and there's dirt and sand anywhere. Any one of those patches of dirt and sand is going to be a sinkhole or a spot for quicksand. You're always looking out for quicksand. Yeah, we, we thought it was everywhere. It's like uh, the old Tarzan movies. Like it seemed like every Tarzan movie had a scene mm-hmm. where somebody gets sucked up in the quicksand. So yeah, it was that was a real threat for a five year old. <laughs> I just I look back and I think it's I I'm just like how why where where did that come from? But I just I don't know. But and now I'm terrified of like sinkholes. And so whenever there's like a news report of like a sinkhole happening or footage, I can't watch it. It just freaks me out. So I think my fear of quicksand has now evolved to sinkholes, which do which does seem like a real life legit problem that can happen literally anywhere and I don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> sinkholes are definitely real and oh. and it's like and it it's always a surprise when it happens, right? Because you don't expect it's you know, it's you least expecting like and, and sometimes it's not even really a sinkhole, it's something where it's a similar phenomenon, but it's like your sewage gets uh it starts to flood your front yard. So you, instead of a lawn, you have like a sewage pit and you got to call a company to go fix that. Mm-hmm. Um, in Washington, D.C., around around where I live at, there's a there was a huge flood and the flood caused a sinkhole somehow. So then that, there was a it caused a water main to break. It was it was a really confusing situation. But there, in that part of the city, there was water everywhere. So, yeah, oh. it's a it's a so, yes, you can you have a right to be afraid of sinkholes, but you can. <laughs> You don't have to be afraid of quicksand as much anymore. Right. <laughs> well, thank you for validating my fear of sinkholes. So. <laughs> right, right, right. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and start wrapping it up. So we'll go ahead and touch on stray bubbles. I think we're good, but this is the time, uh, the last chance for us to bring anything up that maybe we missed or didn't just didn't get a chance to hit on. 
Um, do you have anything? Cause I think I'm good. I think I've marked everything off my notes. Okay. Well, I, I forgot all about the, uh, one of the things that you're going to be doing coming up next. So I'm going to have to, uh, I'm going to have to, what's the word I'm looking for? Fake it. (laughs) (laughs) No problem. So, all right. So I guess we'll go ahead and move on to the six degrees of Nicolas Cage, where we connect the movie that we are talking about to a Nick flick in six steps or less. Why? No reason other than I just fucking love Nicolas Cage. And this turns out to be like a very, very fun little bit. I've enjoyed it a lot. So. Yeah, that that was the one I forgot. That's, so <laughs> that's what I figured. But. That, was, that was I was like, oh my god, the six because I knew there was something on here that was that I was supposed to do, but I totally forgot about it. <laughs> so um, I, I can't think of any who who directed this movie. Rob Reiner. Rob Reiner. So I'm pretty sure that there's a connection between Nicolas Cage and Rob Reiner some kind of way, but I'm not sure what that what that connection is. I'm sure there is, too. There's a lot of ways to get to a Nick flick um, that I've learned by introducing this segment. So, well, that's quite all right. I know life happens. Things come up and, you know, it doesn't whatever. I not a big deal. So I have two because I'm a huge dork and I love doing these. So um, I can I'll read off my two. And if you think of anything in that by the time I'm done, by all means, feel free to share. Um. So I've got the first one that I've got. I used Carrie Elwes, who, as we have mentioned, plays Wesley in this movie. He also stars as Robin Hood in Robin Hood Men in Tights with Dave Chappelle, um, who plays Achu. And he was in and Dave Chappelle was in Con Air with Nicolas Cage playing the character Pinball Parker. The second one that I have, I went with Robin Wright as Butter Princess Buttercup. She was in the, I guess it's a mockumentary or documentary. I'm not sure. That starred Joaquin Phoenix called I'm Still Here. She plays, uh, she plays, she's credited as herself. I've never seen the movie, so I don't know if it's, I assume it's a fictionalized version of herself. But Joaquin Phoenix was in 8mm with Nicolas Cage and played the character Max California. So those are my two. Awesome. All right. Well, have, we'll go ahead and hit up the uh, kind of recommendations and what's been streaming in your bubble lately. Okay. I did do that part. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> so um, right now, like the, the head of the pack is She-Hulk, attorney at law. So unlike a lot of people, I have not got Marvel fatigue. I don't think that's possible for me personally, because I've been waiting for this moment all my life. So I am really enjoying She-Hulk Attorney of Law. That, that show is fascinating. It's one of the best things that, that has come on Disney Plus in a while. And then I'm also, I've also started House of the Dragon because I love Game of Thrones. I'm not burnt by season eight or season seven season seven really isn't as bad as people say it is and season eight while it is bad for game of thrones it is not bad as some of the other shows it's like season eight of game of thrones is better than a lot of people's other favorite shows so i'm not bothered by it like yes it could have been better and yes it, it kind of it's like the showrunners canceled themselves when they because it's like for one thing, HBO did not want to end the series at season eight. They wanted to keep going for a couple more seasons. And the other thing is that they wanted a full season of season eight. They didn't want like like eight shows or however many 
uh, episodes where that was what the showrunners wanted to do because they wanted to get on and do a show called Confederate, which thankfully they did not. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so House of the Dragon is looking pretty good. And then um, I'll, I'm also watching right now the Orville, Orville since I've finished something else. The Orville is really good. And uh, it's what well, I like to think of Orville as Star Trek light. So at first, Orville started as a Star Trek parody, which was awesome. But now it's more like Star Trek light, which is not as awesome, but it's still fun to watch. Mm-hmm. And um, and then the Sandman. I, I've only seen one episode of the Sandman, but I I, I really want to get into this because it looks really good. It's it's exactly my speed. And um, us and I just finished uh, uh, finished up the boys and. Star Trek Strange New World. The Boys is like just the best superhero show on television. Mm-hmm. So it's just you can't as like you can't hide, you can't get away from it. You can't try to say, but this show is like, no, that show is not as good. It's like there's no show as good as The Boys is just it's doing it's it's got like sp- spectacular action sequences. It's got blood and guts. And plus it's saying something at the same time. Like it's saying something about celebrity. It's saying something about uh, responsibility and stuff like that, or power dynamics. It's, it's saying stuff about a lot of things, and it's it's saying it well. It's way better than than the comics. The comics is I don't want to say the comics is trash, but the comics do too much. Like he's doing, <laughs> the comics is trying to do too much to shock you, mm-hmm. and the boys basically dial it back a little and and uh, to the appropriate amount of shock, and then. Uh, Star Trek Stranging Worlds, it's the best live action Star Trek in a long time since I would think uh the next generation. But some people would say Deep Space Nine, but I'm really more of a next generation kind of guy. So <laughs> I would say it's Strange New Worlds is really good. It's like they it's funny, right? Because the 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 running joke is that most of the Star Trek first seasons they they start off pretty rocky they start off pretty bad mm-hmm. the very first the original series that was that was good it was a good first season and again it kind of tapered off it was, a, it was first and second seasons were good but then the third season was really bad and then uh well that's the consensus anyway and then when they moved to the next generation the next generation first season was it, it was a lot to be desired the same thing with deep space nine and the same thing with star trek voyager and uh but then when they started these new shows um it's not that it started off bad and uh like like discovery didn't have a bad first season but it wasn't great right mm-hmm. and then they was doing something where they were doing a story arc which is something brand new for star trek and then there was a they was doing the same thing with picard and most people are not as enamored with picard as as the other star treks but then they brought uh lower decks which is something i got to start watching again because i i heard the shows are starting so that's gonna be another show in my in my bubble so uh lower decks is awesome and it's it's only it's only slightly less awesome than strange new worlds but it's just an awesome i love the inside jokes i love the animation uh and i love that they it's like they kind of take it seriously at the same time joking about it. And of course you've heard of the crossover that is planned between Strange New Worlds and Lower Decks. Mm-hmm. I have right. heard that. So it's like right. I've, I haven't consumed like any of the new Star Treks, but we just recently got Paramount Plus. So now is our time to get caught up on all the new all the new tracks. So Strange New Worlds is going to be up in the bubble, our bubble, Lower Decks. I'm looking forward to watching all of that. And so since I haven't seen them, I only heard a li- I only heard that little bit about the crossover and then just kind of 
stayed away because I'm like, I don't, I don't want to spoil anything. It sounds like right, a lot right. of fun and like, I'm really going to enjoy it. So it's good to know. Good to have things to look forward to. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. Even, uh, Prodigy, which is their kid show, even that was pretty good. Okay. And, uh, I'm also watching Harley Quinn. I'm trying to get in all of my DC shows before WBD cancels everything. It's like, no they, shit. They, did you hear that they, did you hear that they canceled DC fandom? Yes, I just heard. I'm, I'm like, like oh you guys are a fucking mess. <laughs> Holy shit. And then it's like, oh no, that's, don't do that. <laughs> it's like, I don't pay attention to DC fan zone, but I know how important it is to like really the industry, right? So mm-hmm. they're, they're canceling it because they don't know what they're going to do. So they don't want to make any promises that where the, down the line, they're going to say, well, we canceled this project or or whatever. And I can understand, but still, how about not canceling any more products? Uh, right, projects? exactly. But, yeah, they're, they're in a, they're, you know, the merger just happened. They're in the state of terminal. They promised their investors that they were going to cut a certain amount of stuff, a certain amount of money from the debt. And so that's why, uh, that's why they canceled Batgirl. That's why they uh on the fence about the Flash. I, I think they're really going to go forward with the Flash. That's but, so, uh, so fucked they, up. Sorry. They 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 put uh Ezra Miller on the apology tour, which is funny. They they think that people think that Ezra Miller issued an apology. What I think is that WB wrote an apology and attributed it to Ezra Miller. That's what oh, I yeah. think that is. <laughs> Even but if yes, Ezra Miller even if Ezra Miller came out and read a statement, I would think that's something that he was given by lawyers. It's not something that they did from the heart or whatever. Right. So, the, you know, they spent a lot of money on it. See, what I heard was that their strategy is that they want to do big blockbusters or tiny TV shows. So Batgirl was like somewhere in the middle. Like it wasn't big enough to be a blockbuster because they only spent $90 million for it. And it wasn't small enough to be a TV show, even though it was planned on being on streaming in the first place. It was like they planned on releasing it on HBO Max, but and then there's a whole thing where they're going to merge the HBO Max and the Discovery apps. Don't know what's going to happen with that. So yeah, it's they're in a state of flux right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that shit is messy. And it's just, I feel like it's just like one heartbreak heartbreaking announcement after another from the whole WB and HBO ovary and everything. And it's like, just... I, I uh, it makes me nervous. So, but we'll see. Who knows? Um, well, we definitely I think- we definitely know that uh, Shazam is coming out, Black Adam is coming out, and the Flash. I'm I'm pretty sure the Flash is coming out. So those are three. Like oh, and uh, Aquaman two is that mm, or, or three? That's Aquaman three. Um, uh, is it three? I'm confused now. No, it's, no. it's Aquaman two. I don't know. Yeah, it. But I know is that I know it's definitely coming out. Um, I, I would stake my watch and warrant on it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, and I think they're still moving forward with a second season of Peacemaker. And then there's the uh, Penguin series that they're, I think, still moving forward with based on the Batman's oh, Penguin. And and they're doing Joker, too. They're definitely doing that one. Uh, I, I'm kind of I'm kind of uh, on the fence about the. The Penguin, only because that the uh, the Batman two hasn't actually been green lit, green lit yet. So because the it, Batman two, oh, I you think I it heard, has? I thought I heard that it has officially. Like they're actually, I 
It's hard to say because everything with DC and HBO and the whole WB thing, it's really hard to actually find confirmed shit because it's a lot of like rumored this or it's not like confirmed sources or anything. But one of the last things I had heard was that they have moved forward with production, but I haven't heard specifically the words Joker 2 greenlit. So right, with right. this whole messy mess mess, um, I I need green. Right. I need the for sure words. <laughs> well, they did they did the casting right. Yeah, so, they did. Uh, yeah, Lady Gaga has officially been cast as I guess Harley Quinn, and uh, they said it was going to be a musical. This this is going to be interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be something. Well, I'm not that excited for it, but I'll probably still watch it because you know podcast and all. But uh, so we'll see. Who knows? Who knows what direction yeah. they end up going with it, and maybe it ends up working. I I'm very very apprehensive about it though. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I'll be right. honest. <laughs> right. Well, right on. I love your I love your list. It's very similar to what we what I've been going got going on over here. So uh, I've watched House of the Dragon. Uh, I watched the first episode when it aired, and then I rewatched the first episode last night with the husband because he hadn't seen it yet. So hopefully we'll get in the second episode like this weekend. The kids are staying with their grandpa. Um. In the meantime, after watching the first episode of House of the Dragon, I was like, all right, fine. I'll rewatch Game of Thrones. So I've been rewatching Game of Thrones. Oh, my God. You're going back to the source. I'm going back to the source. And you know what? And I, I, oh, the thing I miss about Game of Thrones was for how it just like captured like the entire world. And I don't know. And I know not the entire world. Plenty of people didn't watch it or didn't like it. And that's fine. But it really felt like this giant collective kind of thing all for for the fans you know monday morning people standing around talking about what happened the night before just and and the hype that we'd all feel before a season would come out and then those credits ro- would roll and the intro would start and how many houses across the world were like bum, 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 bum. <laughs> yeah you, you rest assured you you don't want to say everybody was watching it but it's safe to say that right. it's safe to say everyone because that was the most pirated television show in mm-hmm. the world like if you didn't have HBO you want to steal it from somebody just so that you can watch that show you want to download it somewhere so that yep. you can watch that show so yeah it was it was pretty big deal I remember I was I was watching that on my phone because I was away at work and that was the only way I could watch it and I was like well I didn't want to be spoiled one time something was spoiled for me and I was so crushed that I went and rushed and I listened to the audiobooks of the entire series so that I would never be surprised again so oh. imagine Imagine having the red wedding spoiled for you. That's that's oh, crushing. Yeah. <laughs> you don't you don't want that. You don't want oh. that. You, you don't want the demise of Joffrey. And sometimes they didn't come out and say, okay, Joffrey got killed. But you could tell by what people wrote on Facebook. It's like, oh my God, they killed mm-hmm. Joffrey and and now I'm spoiled. Now I gotta go and, and watch it secondhand. It's like I'm not gonna get the impact that I would have gotten had I had had I not been spoiled. So yeah. yeah. That, yeah, that I, was definitely some, even the actors like, am I going to get killed this week? <laughs> right. <laughs> am I going to make it? Kind of similar right, to like right. early seasons of like The Walking Dead and characters, right, you know, right. actors wouldn't know if they're going to make it scene to scene, season to season. So um, right. I, I will be starting a rewatch of this season three of The Boys for some pod prep for a recording that I've got coming up here next weekend that I'm very, very excited for. And 
Let's see. She-Hulk. I'm a little behind on She-Hulk, but I know why people are mad this week, and I just think it's fucking hilarious. Like, just die yeah. mad. Jesus Christ. I haven't uh, seen the third <laughs> episode yet, but I know why they're mad, and I think it's dumb. It's right? the dumbest <laughs> shit. <laughs> My God. It, it's like, and if it's what I think it is, it's worse than dumb. It's Because <laughs> it, it's not, It from what I heard, it's not even really part of the story. It's like worse than dumb. Right? Exactly. So, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And but- then somebody wrote, it's it's okay for uh okay so did you see hawkeye yes and you remember uh baron zemo and he was in a club yes and that people were okay with that and then and people and they 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 were so okay with it that they watched an hour version of it Mm -hmm. because they shot an hour's worth of footage and they put it on youtube Mm -hmm. and then there was somebody somebody else's dancing and they were okay with that uh there was they was okay with thor's entire ass being shown mm-hmm. they was okay with that but uh uh they watched the she-hawk and said suddenly they got problems exactly <laughs> it's like just fucking go find like if that is your biggest problem the biggest thing you've got to be mad about then your life is pretty fucking cush and i wish right. i had your goddamn problems like <laughs> right, holy right, shit right. like it's utterly ridiculous the whole the hate around it and it's what just admit 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 you're an asshole and that's why you right, like right, it right 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 <laughs> but i have enjoyed um yeah i've got to get a little caught up on on she hulk but watch that first episode and i loved it so i'm kind of waiting for a couple more to come out and then just sit down and do a few in a row um i did that with harley quinn so i got caught up on that the other night and i love that show and that show has been renewed for a four season thank god we've got that at least yeah thank but, thank goodness because that that's a treasure right there oh i love that show so much i've said it before but that version of jim gordon is the only version of jim gordon i acknowledge from here <laughs> <on out. laughs> yeah just a broken man just <laughs> leaning on batman for support and uh emotional uh uh, emotional support yes it's oh i love it so much so um but yeah so that's just kind of a handful of some of the things that's been streaming in my bubble so um, neither n- neither of has mentioned uh the lord of the rings show that's on is that on apple I think or is it's that on, on amazon amazon. Right. amazon oh good i get to watch it because i don't have apple <laughs> <laughs> so yeah uh are you planning on watching that one I'm sure I'm sure I'll watch it with like my husband because he's he's more of the Lord of the Rings fan than I am. He likes it a little bit more than than I do. Like I never went too crazy down that fandom rabbit hole, um, but I do enjoy it. They're they're entertaining and they're fun to watch. So um, it's not as high on my list as maybe like House of the Dragon priority right, wise. Right, right. <laughs> right, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. But it does like. I thought the trailer looked good, so I, I think we'll definitely be checking it out, but we just might not stay current on it. My husband is not a binge watcher. Uh, he has to go to bed pretty early at night, so sometimes we're not always able to watch like an hour-long episode, and we have to watch, um, you know, the half-hour thing. So, like, Only Murders in the Building was great for us because it's only half-hour episodes, and it's entertaining as fuck. So, But I, I think we'll, like I said, I think we'll eventually check it out, but... It's not high on the list, but oh, and the Sandman, and I watched the Sandman, and I loved it so much. I love it so yeah, much. I'm I'm behind on the Sandman. I de- I need to get up on it. Oh, I think you're gonna like it. I I feel like <laughs> okay. you're gonna love it. All right, I just want to thank you again, Zoe, for joining me today. And if you want to go ahead and self promote one last time, if you'd like, um, give the listeners one last chance to know where they can find you. 
All right. Well, thank you for inviting me. I really appreciate it. I really enjoy sharing this space with you. I'm glad that you're able to tolerate me. Mm -hmm. uh, your <laughs> listeners can once again find me at my website at www.backlickcinema.com. Uh, they can, if they want to email me, they can email me at fanmail at backlickcinema.com. On Twitter, I am backlickcinema. On Facebook, I am Backlick Cinema Podcast. On Instagram, I am Backlick Cinema Podcast. And on TikTok, I am Backlick Cinema. No real videos on TikTok. Maybe I, I got it. That's something else I got to get up on. Uh, also, I've, I've got links to my uh, my my merch stores at the at the website. So that's pretty much everywhere you can find me. Maybe later on, I'll add some more links. I got a, uh, what do you call that thing? There, there's a drawing website where people post their 2D artwork. I can't remember the name of it right now. But maybe I'll post that later on. But th those are the links that they can catch me on right now. And that podcast, the Backlick Cinema podcast, is available everywhere you listen to podcasts. Awesome. Well, I again, thank you, Zoe, for joining me today. And I want to thank my listeners. Thank you, Bubblies, for listening today. And now go listen to Backlick Cinema podcast. He just told you where he can be found. It's a great podcast. You'll love it. And keep streaming. Bye. You Bye. Say, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> if you're enjoying the pod, be sure to let me know by rating and reviewing on a podcast player near you. And since sharing is caring, be sure to share your favorite episodes with your friends, family, mail carrier, everyone. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Streaming Bubble. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram as My Streaming Bubble. And if you have any recommendations for what should be streaming in the bubble next, or you want to be tolerated, send an email to mystreamingbubble at gmail.com. If you want to show your love and support for this little old podcast in monetary form, search My Streaming Bubble over at buymeacoffee.com and buy me a cheese wedge or two. And if you want to take that love and support to the next level, head over to Redbubble where you can find and buy My Streaming Bubble merch from the logo to quotes from episodes with funny little pictures to go with it. All monetary support goes right back into the podcast from new recording equipment to night cheese. Thanks for all your support and keep streaming. Awesome. We did it. We did it. Teamwork makes the dream work. Yay! Air high five. <laughs> <laughs>